0: I'm going to be reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 2. Looking at the chapter from the beginning, it starts by saying that Joshua had sent out two spies to go to the city of Jericho, especially, and to basically just spy out the land. Now, just kind of my way of reminder of the background story. The children of Israel had left Egypt, led by Moses. They had covered the desert. They had reached the promised land. But before going into the promised land, they had decided to send out 12 spies to look around and to kind of get a feel for what the land is about, to how it looks, what the situation is from a a military perspective, as far as uh, the fortification, the type of people they're going to fight. And when the 12 spies came back, uh, they told the, the people that hey the, the land is great uh, it's flowing with milk and honey but the people themselves are ferocious they're they're strong they're they have uh, great fortifications and we're not going to be able to conquer them because they're too strong for us and they gave such a bad report that uh, the children of Israel became uh, concerned scared they they started uh, complaining and basically um got to a point where they actually wanted to kill Moses for bringing them out of Egypt to, to die over here uh, at the hand of this extremely strong group of people that uh, they were supposed to be conquering. So um, at this point, God intervened. He, he stopped the people from heart- hurting Moses and, and uh, uh, Aaron and the others. And uh, he punished the people by telling them that they're not going to be able to go into the promised land but they're going to have to spend another 40 years in the wilderness. And they ended up having to go back and just circle around until the generation passed on, that generation of people and their children were old enough to to go into the promised land in in their place. So now uh, at this point in time, Joshua chapter two, by this time Moses has already died And Joshua has become the leader of the people and God has told him, hey, it's time to to go in and and take over the land. And uh, Joshua, uh, probably being a military man uh, and and wanting to kind of get a a better sense of what he's up against, he decides to send some spies out again. But instead of sending the 12 spies like before, he just secretly sets aside two people that he, he trusts, obviously. And and he sends him out to spy the lad for him. Now the people uh, go around the, the different places and look, take a look at what's going on, and they get to Jericho, and they get to the house of Harlan named Rahab. And uh, um, at this point, people, the people of the city realize that they're, they're spies, and they're, uh, they're over there trying to kind of get a sense where the the situation in the city, so they tell the king. The king sends people after them. Rehab takes them to the roof of her house and hides them um, underneath some stuff that she had over there. And uh, when the when the people come to to take the spies to apprehend them, uh, Rahab tells them, "Hey, they're not here. They they left. Go and look for them on the way to the Jordan." And she sends them out um, on a well, goose chase, chase, so to speak, and, uh, and, and protects, protects the, the spies and, and uh, keeps them from getting killed, pretty much. So <clears throat> after, the, after the soldiers go off well, looking, looking for the spies, uh, Rahab goes back to the roof and uh, tells them, hey, you need, to, you need to leave. I'm gonna lower you down through the, uh, from the roof because her house was on the wall of the city, so they were she was able to lower them down outside the city, and she tells them to go hide for a few days until the soldiers come back, and then to go and, and uh, do what they need to do, go back to their uh, to their people. But then she says, "Hey, but for helping you, can you please spare my life?" And I'm going to be reading here from Joshua chapter two, verse eight, uh, down to verse thirteen. So she says, "Before the spies lay down for the night." She went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did with Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Ammonites east of the Jordan, who you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please, swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown you kindness. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. So, several interesting things here. Apparently, the people of Jericho were not familiar with what had happened with the children of Israel. So they had heard stories about how the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, what they had done to Pharaoh, what they had done to, to, to split the Red Sea so that they could cross over. Um, they were familiar with what they had done on the other side of the river with some of the strong nations uh, that were previously in that area. Um, and the people of Jericho were scared. But what I want to point out here is that even though everyone was scared, including Rahab, for almost everyone else, the fear led to a type of paralysis. In other words, the people understood that the God of the Israelites was stronger, stronger than their gods. And in fact, that he was probably the real God. And they understood that the Israelites were going to come over and they were going to defeat them and take over their land. But they didn't think about trying to save themselves. Essentially they thought, well, this thing is gonna happen. Um, The book of Hebrews uses the phrase, there's this fearful looking forward to judgment. So the people expected this judgment to come to them, but they didn't think in terms of trying to save themselves. They just sort of gave gave themselves over to this hopelessness. And they felt that the only thing they could do is to try to be strong and to try to put up a front of, of being fearless and courageous, even though they deep inside they, they fully expected that uh, they were going to, to be defeated like everybody else. So the king, for example, he, he sends the soldiers over to capture the spies because that's what he feels he needs to do. He needs to continue to act as if you know, they're strong enough and they're, uh, they're not afraid and they're going to do what they need to do to defeat the Israelites. Although deep inside they know they're going to lose, but they continue to to follow the charade. They continue to go on with their lives as if um, this thing is not going to happen, as if they're they're somehow going to get through it, and uh, ignoring the fact that deep inside they actually do believe that they they don't you know they don't really have a chance and that they're going to be defeated. Rehab also has the same fear. So the the fear. It's not different. She, you know, that, That's not the thing that separates her from everybody else. She's just as afraid as the rest of her countrymen. Uh, she's just as concerned. But the difference is that she's looking for a way out. She's looking for something to do about it. And she finds this opportunity. The men come over and they need a place to hide. She lets them in. She hides them, she protects them, she puts her life, her life in danger now because she's looking forward to a bigger danger that's coming later. So she risks her life to save them. And not just this, but she actually goes an extra, takes an extra step and asks them for help. I mean, she could have protected them and let them go and that would have been been it. But instead she says, now that I've done all these things for you, can you please promise me that you will save me somehow, that you will not allow me to perish with everybody else? And the, the two Israelite spies actually promised that they'll they'll save her life as long as she follows certain requirements. She, she's not supposed to tell everybody, everyone else about him. She's supposed to hang this thread on her on her window and, and a few other things and bring her whole family to her house to, to protect them from this siege. So the the spies agree to her demands, but she had to ask for it. She had to. To, to To take steps, to take measures, to to protect them, to find to protect herself, and to to find an escape from her situation. Uh, it's 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 pretty audacious on her part to do this. She, it, it is the the best way to understand the difference is to compare it to the rest of her countrymen. Everybody else had resigned themselves to their fate, so to speak, but she wasn't willing to to accept her situation and she was looking for a way out and when the way out presented itself she took advantage of it and I propose to you that that is the only difference between her and everybody else in that city in fact the bible mentions that she was actually a harlot to emphasize the fact that compared to everybody else I mean this is a pagan nation they're probably At a very low point, morally speaking, ethically speaking, they're they're not a good people, the people that live in the city. And she's actually even lower in the pecking order compared to everybody else. Uh, Even even the people of her own city treated her with, with that lack of respect. So she's not a better person. She's not superior. She's not preferable to everybody else in any way. The only difference is that rather than giving herself over to this sense of impending doom she looked for a way out she looked for um, some way to 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 find a solution to, to save herself she actually had hope that maybe god would give her a chance if god this god of the israelites is the only true god then maybe He would have mercy on her as well so the only difference is Everything else is the same. She's not better than anybody else. She's not less afraid than anybody else. She's not less in danger or anything, except that she's actually looking for a way out. She actually was trying to find a solution, to, to find an escape, and when the opportunity presented itself, she took advantage of the situation. Now think of this from the other side of the story, from God's perspective, from, from uh, the Israelites and, and God's side of the, of the situation here. It's pretty interesting to me that after all the problems Joshua had had 40 years earlier, when the spies were sent out and they came back and gave a a bad report, that he was willing to send out another couple of spies. No, obviously he, he was careful. He sent them out in secret. He didn't want to have the same fiasco he did before. In fact, Joshua and Caleb were two of the of the twelve spies that had been sent before, and Joshua and Caleb didn't give the same bad report as all the others. So this time he sends just two spies. And he sends them secretly, just just to be in communication with him. But it almost, you almost, you would almost think that maybe he would not have sent out the spies at all this time, because well, first of all, God had already promised to give the people into His hands, and He definitely had a bad memory of what had happened last time when they sent out the spies. So he might not have sent them out at all. Um, so I don't know if, if it's the military man in him that just made him feel like, I still wanna get a sense of the situation, but most likely God somehow placed that impulse in his heart. And then this spice went out. And of all the people in that city to which they could have gone for help, they found this one lady and they went to her and she helped them out. So basically God orchestrated the situation so that they would come and that an opportunity would pre- presented to this lady. And when the lady saw the opportunity, she took advantage of it. She stepped in and she was saved. And not only was she saved, but she saved her family and anybody else that she thought would, would wanna take advantage of the opportunity. And then the Bible tells us that things go even further because she ends up marrying an Israelite and her children become part of the royal line. You know, her her great grandson, or somewhere down the line, ends up being King David, and then that same line goes all the way to the Messiah. So she becomes one of the ancestors of the, of the Messiah, which to the Israelites would have been a, a major, uh, a major privilege, a, a major honor. Uh, and he shows. Um, how much God honored this lady for what she did, even though she was part of a group of people that were sort of sentenced to death. There were there were a despised group of people prior to this, but even though she came from them, because of her uh, audacity, because of her, her hope, her faith, her determination to, to finance her, God not only helped her, but ended up honoring her. And in this way, honoring um, that um, that attitude, that attitude of of. Um taking the initiative of, of doing something about your situation. You know, even in the New Testament, there's this Syrophoenician woman that even though Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm not here to give the take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs, she's persistent. She she's determined that uh, there's some way for her to get a blessing as well. Um time and again. There's stories in the Bible where people that you would not expect to have been helped. Sometimes they're bad people. Sometimes they're people that we don't think would deserve uh, the help of God. But because of this one character trait, the sense that they're not going to resign themselves to their to their situation, they're not going to give up and, and uh, accept defeat, or even go further. And try to uh, deny the, their situation, or try to show courage, and um, try to to face the reality of their situation um, by, you know, pretending that nothing is wrong. Any of those things, it's it's the times when when people are determined to do something about it and to take advantage of any opportunity afforded them, and somehow God finds a way. to to orchestrate events, to to open up those opportunities to them, and then they take it and they're saved and they're blessed and honored for it. So I believe that the lesson here is for any of us today, uh, whatever our situation, whatever we think we might have done, whatever we think heaven might think of us, we might say, hey, God might, might care about other people He might love other people, he might give other people a chance, but I've gone too far, I've done too much, to be forgiven, uh, there just isn't hope for me. And people sort of give up and resign themselves to their faith and they just go on with life, going through the motions, expecting this future judgment to come and expecting to, to not receive a favorable judgment when it does come. And they just go on like this, when if they they would just give themselves that possibility of hope that maybe there's a chance for them. Maybe they they don't have to resign themselves with the situation. And if they start thinking in terms of what can I do? uh, What can I change? Is there some way out for me? God will eventually present an opportunity that they could take advantage of and save themselves. Um, Another very strange story in the New Testament is about this unfaithful steward who ends up cheating his master and then he finds out that his master is gonna fire him. So he goes around and talks to all these people, trying to uh, help them out in some way so that when he gets fired, he has, he has uh, you know, some way to sustain himself. And Jesus says, hey, learn from the unjust steward. uh, learn because sometimes the children of this world are wiser in, in their generation than the children of life. Um, he's not telling us to be dishonest, obviously in that story. But he's telling us to learn from the people that take steps when they realize their circumstances, when they realize the situation they're in, they actually take steps to help themselves. They actually take steps to look for a solution. And in this sense, he teaches us, Jesus teaches us through those parables and also through all the stories throughout the the Old Testament and the New Testament to not resign ourselves to this sense of fear, to the sense of discouragement or the sense of, you know, maybe I've gone too far, maybe there's no hope for me, regardless of what happened in the past. But to, to think that maybe there's still a chance and to look for ways out, to look for a solution, to look for something to take hold of so that we might still have a chance in the end. And uh, it is when we when we take this steps, and we start thinking in terms of hope rather than discouragement, we're starting in terms of maybe there's a chance rather than giving up. It is it is then that the opportunities open up and God presents some way for us to come out of whatever it is that uh, we have sort of gotten uh, stuck in, in our lives in the past. So my hope is that stories like this will encourage you to look towards hope rather than discouragement to to allow the fear of the future not to paralyze you but to actually encourage you forward encourage you to to, to help your situation to to make some change and to redirect the course of your life amen